Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the anxiety podcast with me, Caroline Foran. So we are now well into season two, and I hope that you are enjoying it as much as I'm enjoying making it. I really can't thank you enough for the support so far, for all the subscriptions and the reviews and the shares and the likes and the comments means the world. Um, I've also signed up to Patreon, and I will pop the link in the episode details. It's just patreon.com forward slash Caroline Foran. Now, as I said before, it's not a requirement, it's just an option, and it makes a huge difference. If you want, you can also follow me on Instagram at Caroline Foran, where I talk about anxiety on the daily. And this week I am joined by comedian Des Bishop. So you know him well, I'm sure, and you've been to his comedy gigs all over the world, and you might be a follower of his own podcast called The Shift. So Des and I sat down to record a conversation for his podcast originally because he wanted to understand more about his experience of anxiety and he figured I might be able to help. And then we just decided to do it for both of our podcasts. So in this episode, we dig into the probable roots of his anxiety as a child, his relationship with his mom, who he now realizes was struggling probably with anxiety for her whole life without having ever identified it as such, how anxiety manifested for him over the years and the common mind traps associated with anxiety that he finds himself falling into this day and how he might be able to better manage those. So I really appreciate um, how open and honest Des was willing to be with me. Uh, we had a great conversation and definitely a fair few laughs as well. And I really hope that you get something from this too. So thank you so much. So so you're on my podcast, I'm on your podcast. Yeah, how are we going to do this? You, you just... So, so I'm using you. Right, but I'm using you too. Yes, you're using me for an episode, but I'm, I'm using you in the sense that... So let me explain my scenario and then you can take over. Right. Ages ago, which I know that you listened to, I had said something about anxiety on my own podcast, which actually is a podcast I hadn't really been keeping up. But very recently, I was driving down to... Uh, I was driving somewhere to do a show with my co-host of The Shift, Katie, and I said, let's talk about anxiety. And we did like an episode about anxiety, but the whole time I was talking both on the Des Bishop podcast and when I was talking to Katie, I realized that I'm talking about all these things about what I think mm -hmm. is anxiety, mm -hmm. but I've never actually spoken to anybody about, you know, like, I don't know if you say officially having anxiety. 
Oh, it's it's a weird one. I would sort of move away from. I don't like when people say, "Oh, I've been diagnosed or I have a disorder." Or put it I, I, for me, anxiety is a stress response that we all have, and I yes. always say this, and it can flare up, and you can, for whatever reason, be going through a phase where you're experiencing a lot of it, or you can be prone to sort of suffering from it. But I feel like if you say oh, I have this generalized anxiety disorder, you kind of accept it as a sentencing that you can never do anything about. And right. I think you really can do something about it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, as you know, because you listen to the Des Bishop podcast. Yeah. The the first time, first time I actually thought, oh my God, I actually might suffer from that was because I had a very stressful situation at, at, at making a TV show in 2016. And I was like almost crippled with these particular feelings like in mm-hmm. my legs. And just like, and they weren't unfamiliar feelings, by the way, but they were just so obvious that I I googled uh, like like a feeling of acid in your legs, or I googled something like my legs. Just, the worst thing you can do is Google my, it. <laughs> yeah, but like I just put in whatever I was feeling at the time, which was just like a, like an inescapable feeling of yeah. something in my legs, mm-hmm. and all these articles about anxiety came up, mm. and I was like, holy shit! I you know I didn't even that's rare um i haven't met many people who also have had that feeling in your muscles it's kind of like the adrenaline and the cortisol that you were producing in order to cope has nowhere to go so it kind of like calcifies in your body and your legs so i would wake up every morning and have these aches and pains it was if i had like a horrendous flu and i couldn't do anything about it until i just sort of shook it off and got up and maybe had a bath or moved around but so few people ever report that so that you must have been actually probably quite bad without identifying it as anxiety yeah well i i, I mean i i didn't realize that that's how it manifests itself yeah i mean yeah. I, obviously stand-up comedy brings a natural stress yes fight or flight you know yeah. adrenaline but the problem with this was it was like inescapable for two or three days and you didn't know what it was or why it was happening and it was scary yeah but it was literally like yeah. what am i going to do with this you know like yeah. i couldn't sleep now it was a stressful situation i was in you know i was talking about the hpv vaccine on this uh this uh, television series and i was getting a lot of uh pushback from these groups so it was like a mega stressful situation mm-hmm. so it wasn't so much that it was like this is abnormal the problem was that it was so familiar mm. and i it was just the first time that i ever thought oh this can't be that yeah normal but that was quite situational anxiety for you like did it did it ease off when you moved away from that show well 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 the intensity of that did yeah. Yes. However, it did make me aware mm. that I live with what would be considered like high levels of stress in my body in relation to scenarios that aren't that yeah. stressful. Yeah. And I can get up to 90 pretty quick. Yeah. It's like your your threat system is sort of on alert all the time when there's nothing really threatening you. Yes. And, and that can become your norm and we can become almost comfortable in discomfort and not even realize only when it gets to the point where it starts to really get in the way of your life are you like hang on a second is this normal or is this actually my default and it's not a good way to be because there is like you say like you do have lots of very positive anxiety in your life and if you didn't have that fight or flight before you perform you probably wouldn't be very good and it helps you show up and it's a kind of a call to action for your brain to get your shit together but when that's happening off stage. In, in like very innocuous situations, then it's a problem. Yeah. So do you, when you talk to people on your podcast, mm. does, do a lot of people just put it down to like, I mean, I, what, I, I don't mean in terms of like, in terms of, a, I guess, a mental health mm. context, do people put it down to, this is 
something that has built up in me or do people sort of put it down to perhaps like a learned behavior or a response to like a trauma earlier in their life there's a whole spectrum and there's so many different kinds of anxiety and so many different reasons why people are feeling it um i think in this day and age i know you you spoke about this on your episode on the des bishop podcast it's a word that gets bandied about a lot and i think sometimes it can be used when really we just mean overwhelm or like i just had a stressful day right and we think oh i'm suffering with anxiety like i don't want to diminish anyone's anxiety you know you can call it what you want but there's there's stress and overwhelm which we can handle which are going to come up in life and then there's anxiety where you're it's affecting you're not able to function and there's a whole spectrum so for people it can be it can be anything from uh they're just their personality is maybe gravitated towards being an anxious person maybe they catastrophize to think of the worst case scenario maybe hormonally they just produce more adrenaline and cortisol than someone who's super super chill a lot of the time it will come from some event in the past like a trauma that mightn't it mightn't be a glaringly obvious trauma but it could be something that if you were in a very vulnerable mental state and you experience something say two people experience the same thing right and one person's in a vulnerable mental state and the other isn't to that vulnerable person it might actually lodge in the brain and, and, and make a little a fear response and that, that becomes like a programmed in yes and that will come up later on again so oftentimes people think their anxiety has come from nowhere and they don't because they don't know what the event was but a lot of the time there isn't one thing you can go back to um for me anyway it was it was a case of prolonged stress building up and up and up that I didn't address that I didn't take seriously and eventually when you put that much pressure on the parts of your brain that are involved in in that stress response they just start to give way and eventually because you're not paying attention your body cranks it up a notch like for you Mm. you were obviously kept going through the, the experience of putting the show together and eventually your body started to really crank it up with the pains and the aches so that you'd take the message seriously and be like hold on I can't sustain this long term so for me what was really I guess so, so so surprising for me was that I didn't know that stress can build up and turn into anxiety I thought something really awful would have to happen you know right. I thought I did I thought I couldn't justify it or I I have a great life you know I'm here in my house I, I don't deserve to say that I have anxiety right but I did and that actually added more anxiety as well because you feel stupid or you feel like you start comparing yourself to everyone else so there's so many different um reasons why people have anxiety and then there's can be something as simple as you just you just have too much caffeine in your diet and you're you're already quite a stimulated person and then you're adding more stimulants to the mix so like obviously you're going to feel a little bit jittery and edgy so yeah it's a whole it's there's a whole spectrum but there is I think there is a difference and we do have to be careful and mindful of saying things like oh I suffer with anxiety when you know, you just had a stressful day and that's okay. Yes. And you bounce back and you know what to do. And, and that's where I want everyone to be. I want everyone to be able to get to the point where they just, you know, we're going to experience stress and anxiety, but we can manage it and then it won't, you won't fall off the cliff's edge, so to speak, which is what happened to me. Right. Oh, so you, you had a, and I'm sure you've talked about it a gazillion times on your podcast. Yeah. So we don't, you know, but you had like a kind of a moment of inability yeah. to cope sort of a thing. Yeah. yeah. So in 2014, um, when I don't think anyone really was talking about anxiety, I think maybe Brezzy had started to talk about it a little bit. Um, there was no mental health in Ireland before Brezzy. There was no, he's Mr. <laughs> mental health. <laughs> so thank you to him. And 
yeah so it was I mean at the time social media was just for putting out your best bits you wouldn't have in any way shown any kind of vulnerability and I I just everyone knows the story but I I changed jobs for the sake of your listeners I I left I was in entertainment yeah you can edit out your bit I'll edit out my bit but (laughs) when I met you I was in entertainment.e and I worked my way up there and then I sort of thought oh well I've nowhere else to go from here so I need to keep pushing myself and then I went into a startup and it was just not a good environment for me to be in and I same as you from what you talked about when you were younger it started with my stomach as it always has done throughout my life and I didn't feel well I don't feel well. what is this what is this I, I've said this so many times but I went I was as crazy as believing that because I moved from I'm a north sider I moved to the south side I moved in with my boyfriend and I thought maybe it's the fucking tap water making me sick I was so unwilling to fluoride to, yeah I was like no maybe it is so then I started brushing my teeth with like soda water I was I was like paranoid that it's got to be something tangible it can't be me I didn't want I refused to accept that I was just maybe not able to cope and then it went worse and worse and worse to the point that like I couldn't eat anything I lost loads of weight and then then the anxiety came and then it was panic attacks and not being able to sleep and those aches and pains that you have felt as well yeah and then I couldn't I couldn't get into work I couldn't function I couldn't be left alone I didn't work for a couple of months um I was I got very very depressed I was crying all day every day I had severe panic and I was it wasn't like oh what is this am I am I dying of something I wanted something to blame so if I went to the doctor and they said oh well this is this is causing it I would have been delighted for them to have found something as awful as that sounds but you didn't go to the doctor no I did I did everything I dressed it in every which way and it was like you're fine everything looks fine and I was like what the fuck is wrong with me then? Because if nothing shows up on a scan, then it's just my mental health. And if your mental health is compromised, you feel like you're not in control. And that's scary to people. And that's where the stigma comes from, I think, because physical health issues happen to you, but mental health, it is you. Well, in the AA world, when we say, I'm fine, you're saying you fucked up insecure, neurotic and erratic. (laughs) Yeah, I heard... Uh, freaked out insecure neurotic and emotional oh yeah 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 Yeah, from i think that's from the old movie the italian job oh is that right yeah the the reboot of it which wasn't very good but yeah so that was i did fall off the 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 ledge the edge and um i was got really really sick and i had to go on medication and i went to the complete end of the pit of despair with it and felt like what the fuck's wrong with me no one else everyone else looks fine no you know what's this is a joke and i and then what I started out as anxiety brought on by stress and the, the new job became anxiety about what people would think about me. Anxiety about how this would affect my relationship because this was a new relationship and I had been all carefree and we were going out and I always, you know, had my makeup on and suddenly I was a heap on the floor and I was like, save yourself. This is not what you signed up for. And he was like, uh, but I want to be here. And I was like, no, this is not what you want. So it was, there was so many different things like what was going to happen to my to my career because I left my job and media in Ireland is so fickle and there's not that many opportunities. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a, a, it a snowball. A huge thing. Yeah. And and just the fear of the fear. Like I can't believe I'm capable of this. I don't know how I'm going to get myself back together again. And am I the only person in the world feeling this way? Now I know, given how many people listen to my podcast and have bought the book, it is an insane amount of people who are suffering to the extent that I was. Yes. which is scary. I mean, we're really all living at this, like you say, this constant stress level. But so many people, they're not just like a functioning anxious person. They're not coping at all. Yes. Yeah, so, because you listen to the the thing, which it, you, you can ask me away, but... Yeah. I mean, the other thing that helped me... Well, the other thing that made me kind of sad in a way that the, the term, but the thing that I find positive about the term is 
it does label a, a certain way. It, it's a good label for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Because like my mother was... So sorry, that's the dog that's going the dog. bananas. The dog has anxiety. He Actually, he's the most anxious dog in the world. He's afraid of his lead. But all small dogs are like that. Okay, let's hope he stops. Yeah, but it's not really coming through. Is it not? No, okay. not really. <laughs> not, not, not a lot. Now I have a dog on my lap. It helps with my anxiety. Yeah. So, you know, my... Listen, my mom died since I made that podcast, you know, but she was like genuinely like quite crazy. She wasn't the worst mom, but she was a great woman, but she, she suffered on the like coping part yeah. of life. But of course, like there wasn't an ounce. Of, and she wouldn't have identified it as that. Well, absolutely. She wouldn't have identified it as it, but nobody in her life would, Yeah, you know? So it was actually... After my dad died, she, you know, we had like a period of time where we stopped talking or whatever. And she actually sort of was forced to do something about her, her ways, you know, Mm -hmm. because there just comes a time where you just go enough's enough, like, you know, and it was only then that she was just like saying, I suffer with anxiety. And I was just like, God, what a pity (laughs) that we didn't find this out. (laughs) I know, but that's the thing. Like, it's not a, it's not a snowflake millennial generation issue. It's just that we now know what it is and we can identify it. And we're also not afraid. There's no stiff upper lip or shame around saying I'm struggling. Like my parents' generation, my grandparents, your parents, it, it was all there, but it was just, you get on with this. You don't air your dirty laundry in public. You have a drink to cope. You do whatever you can. So I think we, okay, we might have more stressors, different kinds of stressors these days, such as social media or expecting too much of our, of ourselves. And even for, for women, I think who are, you know, obviously it's a, it's not a gendered issue when men and women both experience anxiety, but for women, we have more opportunity now than we ever have had. Oh, so there's increased pressure. So it's like, well, if you're not seizing everything and doing everything, then you're not like, what about all the women who came before you who didn't have that chance? So I think there is probably different kinds of pressures now, but it was just as much an issue for your mom. Just or probably her, her body just, she just naturally probably produced stress, stress responses. Yeah. I mean, I think when I, when I started to read about it and I saw all the, like, I mean, I, I'm not that up on the science. In fact, I haven't even like revised since that time, mm-hmm. but I did quite a bit of research at that time. But my overwhelming thought at that time was, my God, I think my mother lived with this crap in her body her entire life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like she was 78 when she died, but she died from a lot of like, you know, and I don't know how these things manifest themselves in illness, but she died with like a lot of illnesses, mm. like a lot. And I got to think other than the smoking, which directly related to like lung cancer that she got, but it wasn't lung cancer that killed her. She had a lot of other stuff. And I have to feel like, that amount of stuff running through your body for your whole life has to be debilitating. Yeah, I think so. Well, it, it first of all, the stress hormone suppresses your immune system. It shuts it, it because you don't need to be functioning from an immunity perspective. It shuts down your digestive system or compromises it because if you need to get into it, if you're in a fight or flight situation, you don't need your digestive system working. So everything is compromised in order for you to get out of the situation. And if that's happening chronically and you don't even notice it your whole system is vulnerable all of the time then um and your sleep suffers with with anxiety and sleep i'm reading a book at the moment called why we sleep which is just mind-blowing about the effects that sleep has on every single biochemical reaction in our body so i'm not surprised that people who have chronic stress or anxiety eventually it starts to come out in, in other ways i'm 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 i don't have any facts about yeah, it, you but I'm, the, I'm sure there's a correlation there has to be yeah there absolutely has to be yeah and so when i think so 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 let me tell you how mm. i ended up sort of revisiting this because i'm always saying to people like oh 
anxiety is like a new word, mm -hmm. you know? So about two weeks ago, I was, I was actually looking for my driver's license, my Irish driver's license. And I ended up going into like all these old bags of like documents and stuff. And I've kept like all my diary slash comedy notebooks from the early part of my career. And every now and then when I'm looking for something, I encounter them, you know? So I just happened to open one up and I was looking through, you know, some of them are like jokes and some of them are just like November 19th, you know, 2001, uh, you know, talking about my life. And in a few of them, I'm talking about like the the levels of anxiety that I'm feeling. But of course, I'm not talking about it as I have anxiety because mm -hmm. the word anxiety isn't a new word. Mm -hmm. But I was just kind of laughing at myself and I was like, God, in my mind, I feel like I only became aware of anxiety as a thing in like 2016. But in actual fact, it, it, it was there. Yeah. The, the, the awareness of being anxious a lot of the time was actually there yeah. for a long time. And also, the other thing that I remembered was when I first stopped, you know, I was a bad drinker and stuff. I stopped drinking and taking drugs in 1995. And... I remember in the early days of the recovery process, I just remember having this moment where I wasn't anxious. And I remember like sharing it at the time, which was like, this is the first time that I don't have like a tightness in my chest. And I'm I'm just not anxious. I, I, I used to use that word. Mm. But nobody then, like, and we're talking about like NA and AA meetings where like mental health even though the word mental health isn't used, it's the language of the of the circle. Yeah. yeah, it's a vulnerable open space. But it wasn't language that, like nobody would say, I suffer from similar amounts of anxiety. Some people might say, I know what you're talking about, you're talking about being anxious all the time. But like, it wasn't like a thing where people went, yeah, that's... It wasn't a thing in and of itself. It was related to something. Like if you were there from an AA perspective, it was because of that or it was a sh as an offshoot of something else that yes. you're going through. But I think now we sort of look to it as something that stands on its own maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And did you ever get clarity on, on what, where your anxiety originated from? Or was there, was there an event or was it just kind of there throughout your life growing up? So because, you know, I stopped drinking in 95, I've done any, I've done numerous times in my life like therapy and like various different, you know, whatever the sort of like finding yourself exercise du jour was. Mm -hmm. I did it, you know, anything from like just normal like therapy or like group group stuff to holotropic breath work, which was this experimental thing that was like had originated with LSD. But because they discovered that LSD is quite damaging, they tried to create the concept of an altered state, quote unquote, through breathing technique okay which i've noticed has actually come back now and the wim hof method is that's it? the wim hof method sounds very like okay. holotropic breath work but this guy was like his he was a polish guy anyway long story so short, you were open to different things i was oh yeah i was always exploring but you know it did always come back to like stress in my childhood and like I, this one therapist now that my mother's dead i can i can dump all over her and we had actually we had a quite a good relationship at the end but you know, this one therapist guy that I had been visiting for quite a while was basically saying to me that like the mental torture that you were put through as a child is way worse than physical abuse. Mm. And he says he encounters it quite a bit. You know, this sense of just like growing up in a stressful situation. Now, obviously, it turns out my mother couldn't cope. But even though she would say I can't cope all the time, uh, you know, she she had her own struggles. But how that related to us as children yeah. was just like dancing around my mother's episodes of yeah. 
panic, you know? Yeah. And the, the panic was related to low stress situations <laughs> in terms of how human beings, mm. you know, notice a situation. You say, this shouldn't have been yeah. so stressful, right? And not that you become your parents, but now when I look back, as critical as I can be of, of my mom at times, when I look back, I think, yeah, but despite your ability to deal with high stress situations, which actually my mother was good at too. Mm. My mother was great at high stress situations because it was the only time she was normal. <laughs> you know? She but, was comfortable in high stress probably. Well, yeah, yeah because she, 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 now she was at the right frequency for the scenario. <laughs> yeah. you know? But, but I, I, I only make fun of her in that way because I completely identify in that myself, in mm. that like from recent scenarios, like my mother's death, my father's illness, other, you know, other mega stress situations in my life, you know, I'm very good at them. I'm actually almost like insanely calm during high stress situations. Yeah. But just like a simple thing, like four days before a corporate gig. Now, this is like just one of a gazillion examples, but corporate gigs are not really that stressful. They're not that different to my own job. But for some reason, like four days before a corporate comedy gig, I, I, I'll, I'll be miserable for four days. Miserable or anxious? Well, it, anxious, but the anxious, you like, know. Will you, be, will you be nervous about it? Will you feel like, I don't want to do this? Or yeah. will you just feel low? Uh, I'll, I'll, I, you know, it'll just be like ruining my, mm. my normal life, mm -hmm. you know? And then do you panic about the fact that you're feeling panicky? Uh, I, I, you know, that's like the uh, two mirrors facing each other. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how, I don't know if I would articulate it that way. I just like... All I do is I just go like, this is such a fucking pain in the ass that I, that this is on me right yeah. now. Mm. You know, I think of it more like a, like an inconvenience. Mm. Like I'd rather just not be worrying about it. And despite, because, because I can't even the, the intellectual awareness of it doesn't, doesn't get rid of it. No. Of course, oh God, I no. get distracted yeah. for an hour or something mm. will come up, yeah. you know? Well, for me, the the intellectual awareness of it or like understanding what is happening, why it's happening was a huge part of being able to like function again and not just not just survive, but to thrive again and like really like enjoy life. But I have a, an approach in, in my book called the assess and address approach that I sort of created to help me yes. navigate whenever anxiety came up. And the assess part is like, what, OK, so understanding how anxiety works in the brain understanding the, the chemicals and the hormones involved in the parts of your brain understanding how why humans feel it and how normal it is and, and like how we've moved on in society and how we're still reacting to fear in the same way that we used to in hunter-gatherer times however the fear that the threats that we're facing these days are more like emotional threats they're not always threats to our survival it's yes. going to be threats to your sense of self-worth or what people think of you or that kind of thing so understanding all of that makes you you be a little bit less like you're such a fucking idiot and it makes you kind of understand. And then you have to look at your own situation. So what's going on in my life right now? What are the vulnerability factors at play? So for you, I've got this gig coming up. I've got this thing that I don't really, I don't really love doing corporate gigs maybe is what you're Yeah, feeling. I mean, that's just one of... Yeah, one just for, well, for as an example, or for me, it could be um, like I've, I'm coming up to the deadline of my third book and... I've got loads of other things that I have to get done. So like you, you take into account what's, what's my picture look like right now, even though you're like, I'm fine. I'm coping. I'm fine. If you take a step back or maybe you've like at the moment, like you have an issue with your sinuses, like the, all those little things compromise your ability. You're like to, to sort of rationalize and your executive function, which is your prefrontal cortex and your prefrontal cortex, which is the, 
really more modern part of your brain is always kind of at war with your amygdala which is the more primitive part of your brain which feels fear and that's like a child always firing off to all these threats and your prefrontal cortex job is supposed to calm it down and say listen we're totally fine here relax but if you're stressed out or if you're compromised in any way it's not as easy for your prefrontal cortex to do its job so then the amygdala is left kind of in the driving seat which is why we're reacting to things we normally wouldn't react badly to and which is why it's it seems like it's come out of the blue it hasn't or why it seems like you can't cope with something you normally can cope with so for me understanding that and not thinking I'd just gone crazy and knowing how common that is for everyone um and like for me it manifests with anxiety yeah but that's why I'm here because I didn't know that yeah that's literally why I I contacted you was Mm. because I well I was being lazy really Mm because I I I didn't I I knew that that there must be some stuff behind it that I don't know yet and it's really simple stuff like and I'm not I mean I'm not an expert I didn't go off and get a qualification in it I was just so eager to understand it so that I could cope better and the only way for me to do that was to get stuck in and treat it like almost like an assignment Um, and obviously I tried I tried so many different things from like what you did like I had these things plugged into my temples and I but what was wrong with me at, at the time was I had a wrong idea about anxiety I because it hit me so so bad and I was so ill with it I thought of it as something to cure that like had oh, taken right. over me I thought of it like a virus because I wasn't I just suddenly I went I mean it was a real 180 and because I didn't understand how stress can turn into anxiety and I didn't understand how the brain works I really I mean I compared it to like paranormal activity like this thing I just come and take it over me I was possessed (laughs) by anxiety and when was it gonna go and everyone was like just don't think that way and you'll be fine and sure what have you got to be anxious about and I was like I'm fucking no or just breathe and you're like fuck off like if I just fucking breathe my way out of this I would do it by now and I was I was like again with the water thing like I was trying to the tap water I was trying to cure it um so I would go into you know a different treatment and all these things that really prey on your vulnerability especially coming from America where there's a lot of bullshit and I would be on YouTube and it would be this person who looked like the most well-adjusted person in the world sitting there on a YouTube video saying I used to not be able to function with anxiety and then I did this one thing and I never felt it again and if you just enter your bank details you'll unlock the secret and I was like okay and then I would go and do these things thinking believing the hype that this will cure it or you can get rid of panic or you can get rid of this they're all owned by Tony Robbins. Just <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just, I just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And then I would do, and it wouldn't work, obviously. And I'd feel ten times worse. And then I would think, oh my god, am I just, am I so fucked up that I, I'm impervious to these things that work for other people? And I had it all wrong. Like I remember once going to a particular um, therapy session, and this is what motivates me so much today is to, to, to help people be wise of the bullshit and and to understand how normal anxiety is and it's not it's not like a fucking paranormal possession to to get rid of and I went into this this session and it was it was very calming as as they all are like all that's happening in so many of these different therapies is that you're reducing the cortisol and you're stimulating like nicer hormones and you're Mm. getting yourself into a relaxed state and anything that gets you into a relaxed state as long as it's not induced by alcohol or drugs and it's it's not harming you is a good thing for your anxiety and the longer we can spend in those relaxed states the better our resilience will be so of course when you're in the situation of doing a, a, a treatment or whatever or getting someone's like massaging you or you know reiki or any of that stuff you're gonna feel super super chilled and I he was like you know it should be just max one session and you should be fine and I was like amazing and I walked out of there and my mom had driven me we were on our way down to to Dingle where they live and it was like along along the way so we drove from Dublin stopped off in Waterford where this guy was did the session I came out and I was like 
it's gone. Like, I'm fine. I'm completely fine now. And that was just a really weird blip in my life. And I'm completely fine. And because my parents didn't have any awareness either, because they'd never addressed their mental health, they just, it wasn't an issue. It was just, it probably was, but they wouldn't have even bothered to look at it. Yes. They were like, oh, okay, she's fine now. That's great. Because they had been minding me. I mean, I was 25 and I needed to be monitored all the time. Like I was being taken care of. And suddenly they were like, that's great. So we had dinner, had a glass of wine. And I was just like, oh, I'm mean, just a new person again. This is amazing. Went to sleep or went to bed. And my mom was like, oh, I see you in the morning. And I was like, yeah. And then I was in bed being like, oh, it's gone. And then I was like, is it? Is it gone? And you started worrying? <laughs> I started and it built and built and built. And it came, of course it did. Because I put myself under so much pressure not to feel it and yeah. think that it was gone. That if I felt one glimmer of a panicky or anxious feeling, I was like, oh. <gasps> It's not fucking gone. You're completely broken. And then I plummeted so much more because of that. And that none of that would have happened if I had have understood how anxiety happens. And it's not something to get rid of. And to this day, like I don't, with my book, I'm not saying this is not going to cure your anxiety, but I live my life pretty well despite it now because I understand what it is and I manage it. And I know when it's, I know when those stressors are getting too much and I see the train coming down the tracks and I get off before it hits me. Mm. And I know, and I'm wise to the bullshit that's out there. And I got so pissed off reading. I don't know if you've read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Uh, I mean, I've, I've flicked through that in my life, but I've never like read it. annoying. Because I was in such a desperate position and I was like looking for anything that would give me the answer. He just had the most crippling anxiety all through his life. And then one day he just decided to, he was like sitting down and looking at a tree or something and enlightenment just washed over him. And he realized that it's all about being in the the present moment. moment. And then he never felt anxiety ever again in his life. And I'm sitting there fucking eyeballing a tree being like, come on, like hit me. And of course that doesn't fucking happen for normal people because we have stress in our lives and it's okay. I know, but everybody, I mean, whatever, that's like, that's like a fun thing to get into from a comedy perspective. Just all the charlatans that are flogging oh. their wares from the Tony Robbins to the power. of And listen, I'm sure there are people listening that have got good stuff from those. I did a Tony Robbins workshop. And How I, was it? I took some, I took some positives from yeah. it. But the problem is they're all selling. The bullshit that they're selling is that this thing, which is good for you for a day, is going to change your life forever. Yeah. It's going to make you richer. It's going to make you calm forever Mm -hmm. and it just as you know it just doesn't work that way as in like the power of now you know i haven't read that properly but in those early days of recovery that was very much like a a big book Mm. you know and all staying in the present it's eternal vigilance is the price of freedom is like an na quote even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But like, that's a way more honest one. Yes. Which is basically like, yeah, do it every day. Every single Meditate day. every day or whatever, you know, like, because he's looking at a tree. He's just having like, he just had like a moment of clarity. Yeah. We, we, like we all get them. Everybody yeah. gets a moment of clarity. But the problem is that that moment of clarity is just a moment in time. The Buddhists are way better at it because mm. that was another thing I used to do, which is basically like they believe in the practice of non-attachment. Mm -hmm. The problem with Eckhart Tolle is he's saying, have this moment and then try to recapture this moment every time. Whereas in actual fact, all these moments just pass. Yeah. You know, the Buddhists say, you, 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 practice of non-attachment, samsara, sin, whatever the fuck we're all obsessed with. None of it you get freedom from unless you look after this shit all the time. Exactly. And I think shifting your mindset into it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it. It's your reaction to life because stress. And actually, though, I, another thing that I found so helpful um, is this amazing doctorish woman called Kelly McGonigal. She did a, did a TED talk and she talked about stress um, and all these different studies and the upside of stress and how, okay, so we're all trying to live our lives without stress or without anxiety. And of course, if you try to do that, you're going to have more stress and anxiety mm. in your life. And she referenced this study that basically proved that it's not the presence of stress in your body that matters. It's your perception of that presence of stress. So this group of people measured having um, no stress in their lives at all. And then there was people who had a lot of stress in their lives, but perceived it to be okay. And like, okay, stress is normal. And then there was people who had a lot of stress in their lives, but thought, oh fuck, I'm stressed all the time. This is so bad. And the people who had a lot of stress in their lives, but perceived it to be okay, were so much, were more likely to survive than the people who had no stress at all. Is that right? Yeah. So it's not about... Live, you can't go off to the Himalayas. Well, you can if you want to. Most of us can't realistically yeah. and give up a modern life. But it's obviously you don't want to be in a really horrible job and, and having this all this stress and tell yourself it's fine. But it's we're going to have stresses in our lives, whether it's, you know, OK, maybe this week you've got a lot on or maybe you're in the middle of a house move. And if you, if you panic about that stress and if I if I panic about the presence of anxiety instead of saying, OK, like what's this trying to tell me? What do I need to look at? Then I'll actually react to it much better and I won't suffer as much. And it won't harm me because har anxiety is harmless unless you you ignore it and you and you it starts to affect your immune system and everything else. And mm. and it just starts to just run you into the ground if you don't address it. It is good to know about the different parts of your brain and how they're. Yeah, because I got to assume that my brain was trained a long time ago to hang out in that back section a lot more. Yeah. What, what did you call it? You said the front oh, section. Oh, amygdala, the prefrontal cortex and your amygdala. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been hanging in the amygdala like a, yeah. a lot of my life. Mm. You know, like even if I wrote a book about my dad, my dad was nearly James Bond. But in the book, mm. in the book I talk about, and by the way, I'm not bringing up all these things to say I did all these things. It's just funny because I can look back at my perception of what was going on with my life. Yeah. And in hindsight, you go, oh, mm -hmm. another example of an awareness that I had without the language of knowing what was going on. So... I have a little section joking about how I was working with this director when we were filming the work experience. 
And for a while, he didn't realize that when I said something was a disaster, I didn't really mean that it was a disaster. But it was a language that I picked up from my mother, which was something like, oh, the traffic's going to be a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I use that term all the time. Like, they you took know, you literally. <laughs> yeah. And then after a while, he realized, oh, I, I realize it's not a disaster. It's just a word that you use to describe these low level yeah. stress situations. Yeah. And I wrote it down as a thing of like, uh, yeah, you don't realize when you're young that you're growing up with all this perception of life being very difficult when actually it's not that difficult. No. You know, but it does it does wear off on you. And like I definitely still to this day, like I gave you corporate gig as an example, mm. but just like renewing a driver's license. Will, Those little will, things. Oh, will fucking kill me. Why? Who knows? <laughs> but like why what what is okay, if you break that down, what is it that makes you feel bad about that? Is it just the menial task is it you just don't want to do it i don't have a why if i had a why i wouldn't I even be fucking talking to why. you no no. <laughs> no i'm just I, I i don't know why i'm just saying it just triggers a reaction in me mm. which is 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 abnormal and it kind of like makes it more difficult than it should be okay like okay so the last i had to renew my american driver's license which is very recent and luckily now you can make an appointment. So I make an appointment in Riverhead, Long Island, which is further out. And it's always known to be way less packed than the DMV in New York. So I'm like, I'm just really stressed gathering up all these documents, but I'm doing it. But it's like, it's killing me, okay. but I'm doing it. So I get all the documents and like, I, I get there. And uh, it, it turns out that one of the documents is not the correct one. Now, a little bit of that has to do with the fact that the it's 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 insane that it's not the correct one but let's not focus okay. on that because that is definitely their fault a, yes 100 <laughs> percent. so then i have to like do it again mm. you know and I, I i it's like i'm aware of it for ages now i can't actually get the new document until i get back into manhattan and get the document and i do finally get it done but like the relief when it was finally done was like way too much mm versus the event and now i'm aware of it like that whole time i was like look at this this is you're reacting to it disproportionately bad yeah but like now i'm aware so now i'm going like fucking this is a pain in the ass Mm. and you mentioned going to the less busy dmv well everybody does that but is there anything to do with like being around crowds or anything Nah, i i when people talk about the the crowd anxiety and stuff like that i don't i don't that that's not like the thing yeah it's actually the just or- literally the thing it's the organization mm. would you, I mean, you wouldn't I think, describe yourself as an organized person oh i'm not an organized guy <laughs> i'm not ocd yeah my, my, my anxiety manifests itself in uh, the uh, the antithesis of ocd which is thinking of organizing shit mm. makes me very anxious and eventually i do get it organized and i do get a bit of relief but i have i have a an, an overactive stress response to basic organization and do you think that it's just you're building it up in your head more than it really is well i think that's that's part of it yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah uh, and have you had situations where you've thought oh fuck i have to do this thing i don't want to and you've done it and it's actually been fine and then it's made you realize okay maybe well that's everything that's all time. that's all but i say maybe next time but the problem is that there is a physical reaction yeah which i think the next time it happens I mean, for me cbt was a huge help not just talking therapy not just something relaxing but a very practical approach to like it's it's your thoughts 
that are in, affecting your feelings and your behaviors so your thoughts are maybe fuck's sake I don't want to do this thing your feelings are feeling jittery the behavior is you're going to make a mess of organizing it all and then just this loop this cycle loops you need to get in at one level and, and kind of track those thoughts and then be like okay what why are you thinking that this is all going to go tits up and what actually so then like kind of it's like a thought rec- record exercise what's actually happening or do you if you think I'm um, you know I'm going to fail at this thing is it because is that based on reality or you know you have to challenge the thoughts and go back to it again and again and just do these exercises but do you find that the intellectualizing helps oh yeah yeah hugely hugely because you have to because keep... I've done all CBT yeah. before by the I've... way but I never did it in relation to this specifically as in it, it was in relation to like other stuff even though it all manifests itself in similar ways yeah but i never went with with the focus of he's here are certain things in my life that are causing me problems because other things were back in those days mm. but you know nowadays i guess you know you get older and you get more aware of what's going on for you if if i went back to somebody it would definitely be actually i'm kind of just a little bit sick of these certain areas that are causing mm. me for me I, the reason I find CBT helpful is because it makes me stop and see which part of my brain is in the driving seat so mm. if I'm saying what if okay I have to go and give this talk oh, I'm, I'm not good enough I'm not I'm, I'm gonna make a mess of it because I do give a lot of talks around anxiety now which is by the way most people's number one fear well yes Public like speaking. completely rational and fair enough yes um so then I have to think okay well what evidence what evidence is there to support that and it's about then giving your prefrontal cortex a chance to step up and mediate those fears and worries and negative feelings. And it sounds really simple and silly and stupid sometimes, but it's, again, it's the kind of thing like you mentioned earlier, like having to constantly look at your thoughts when you feel good and not just like as a crisis situation and, and always think, okay, well, am I, there's so many common mind traps with anxiety, such as catastrophizing, mm. uh, polarized thinking, all, you know, all or nothing thinking, overgeneralizations, all these things that are just so part of our everyday life that when you start to label them, you're like, hold on, I'm doing that again. Mm. And that's going to give rise to an anxious feeling. And that feeling is going to influence a behavior such as me not wanting to go to this thing or whatever. And it just helps. It's, it's, Again, it's probably hard for you because if you don't like being organized, it's basically organizing your thoughts. It's not that I don't like being organized. It's just that I I, I, I get stressed out in the organization process. Mm. You know, it's like a trigger. And I mean, well, as growing I mean, up, I, were you I, kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know where it comes from. <laughs> well, can I ask you? Well, yeah. I mean, it, our, our childhood was yeah. very stressful because my mother uh, put... See, but, but I don't like blank... No, that's not blaming. I mean, yeah. I know it sounds, we can all say like we're a product of our environment, you know, but everyone's doing their best. Okay. But as a kid, there's so many things that happen that might seem innocuous that have a huge effect on you because your prefrontal cortex that I was talking about and your ability to rationalize and to think logically and laterally, that happens much later than your ability to form, your brain's ability to form a long-term memory. So your amygdala is reacting to things say seven or eight or whatever if you have a scary experience that's to you scary or very stressful that will lodge in your brain and encode a memory and encode a stress response yes. but at that point your ability to say look this is fine there's no monster under the bed that hasn't developed that doesn't come to later so in those intervening years it's actually such a crucial time as a child when for me it was things like seeing my grandparents in a coffin when i i was fright very frightened by it so my fear response was was really healthy but my ability to, to rationalize wasn't there yet. And, and still to this day, I can kind of trace a lot of my anxiety back to those moments. So it... Well, basically, getting organized in our house was very stressful. Yeah. Unnecessarily so. And would you be punished if you weren't 
ready to go out the door kind of that kind of thing because that would probably make sense i mean it was it was torturous it was it was <laughs> you, you you probably grew up in a calmer house than me so i can tell by your reaction no, no like, not really no I mean, no, no, no I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding yeah. i no, like i you know it, it, it would be like uh until until it got organized to the satisfaction of my mother my mother would be carrying on as if it was the end of the world. Okay, so you had to please your mother and it, nothing was ever good enough. It, yeah, yeah. It, without, it, this is not to sound critical of your mother, but it's just, it, that makes perfect sense to me is that there's no amount of organizing you can do to do a good enough job to be praised to to, and to, to not give out really to you. It wasn't about praise. It was just about peace. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it, okay. It, you, know, you, you couldn't get peace. Yeah. You know, and yeah. eventually you... You know, I, I, honestly, I think eventually I just learned to fucking just try to avoid yeah. th- that stress as much as possible. Yeah. That's... And some would even say, you could go to another country at 14. <laughs> the fuck away from it. <laughs> yeah, but maybe because you did that at such, such a young age, when maybe when it was you weren't quite ready or you hadn't fully matured, um, maybe you're still grappling with the idea that you're able to live your life on your own terms now and that's bringing up a lot of anxiety for you. I mean... There's any number of any things, number but of things. but I, I I I know I know that it's the the, yeah. the I know that it's it's the trigger. Yeah, you know. But it's one thing knowing where the anxiety comes from. It's another thing knowing what to do about it. So that's how, why I'm talking to you. Yeah, but what do you? But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to other people. But I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not giving you the job of being yeah. my cognitive behavioral therapist. I just was curious to talk to somebody who just has been a little bit more familiar with the language of tackling it. You know, because like I I've, I've tackled various different things, and particularly around like my childhood i have had a lot of like you know a lot of progress in terms of like the trauma of childhood yeah. but at the same time it just to me what i like about the concept of looking at it in terms of anxiety quote unquote is that actually for me it, it's a framework that makes complete sense mm. that there's something physically going on in my body that doesn't really match the mm. scenario yeah you know? and that it's not your fault yeah it also helps me to drop a little bit of the resentments i mean i, I dropped resentments against my mom to a large degree a long time ago but it, it helps me to make sense of what she was doing mm. because my, my my conversations with my mother later on in life was basically that she became aware. She, she had a horrific childhood herself. And for her, getting organized, like, like basically getting everything right because her parents were such horrific alcoholics was the only way that they could relax. Mm. So it was like, get my drunken mother to bed, get my drunken father to bed, get like... You know, make sure that nothing was out of place so that there was no like uproar. And then once all that was done, then I could be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That was what was going on for my mom. And unfortunately, what I think that she didn't realize she was repeating was she took every scenario in life is once I get this done, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. She's just putting out fires all the time. But like constantly. But the reality was that she was creating fires to put out and we grew up in a fucking inferno. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you for giving me that language. And a fucking smoke inhalation from the fucking fumes. Uh, so it, it helps me. It, it gives me on one level an understanding of what was going on for my mother. But obviously on a, on a more important level, it gives me an understanding of how much I still have a bit of that in mm. myself mm-hmm. today. Which is why like certain gig situations don't create a lot of stress for me. But, you know, ones that require like pre-thought do. Okay, so maybe with the corporate thing... For example, if we go back to that, it's it's different because there is a an element of, you know, they're paying you to be there to 
a little yeah, bit more I mean, prep or something. And that's possibly. That, again, it's that just requires... certain ones just trigger me more. But I mean, I, like, you think it's important to find out exactly why, or do you think it's more important to actually just get get like? Do you believe in being just a bit more generally centered and grounded so that this stuff yeah, doesn't yeah. that this stuff doesn't rise up? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, it's the it's the assess and address approach. So it's coming at it from both angles. So not just always trying to. S- put a plaster on it but to understand why is huge but it's not the be all and end all you also have to get yourself to a point where you're you're not reacting to those things or you're, or you're or else you're much better able to cope with them and that's where things like meditation which you know people kind of roll their eyes at but it just there's so much and I'm not great at it myself like again I'm a, I'm a crisis meditator it's something I only I, I if I'm feeling bad yeah. I'm like shit I, I mean better. I'm a big fan but I am also not a great practicer yeah and it's it's all those things it's it's knowing that you know how long it takes for the stress levels to build up in your brain and tip you over into anxious mode it's not as simple as identifying it and then being like okay i'm aware of it now yeah, it's gone I'm good it's going to take a while to bring all those things back so for me a really important thing is to, to just to take it away from yourself in the context of what's going on for you but to look at the chemicals in your brain and know that to have respect for them and to know that it's it's not it's you have to kind of hack your brain almost and hack your body mm. and do things like it's not just about relaxing it's about your it's like you're bringing your cortisol down and when you bring your cortisol down you're you're able to think clearer see clearer yes it's all those it's not it's not just about as simple as it sounds there actually is biochemical things happening mm. and and that's all if you if we can manage those interplay of hormones then we can cope I know, which is really what I like about what delving into anxiety brings is an awareness that that is part of it. Yeah, and and I think that's really empowering as well because it means it's not just your fault or it's not just this is just the way I am. It's something that you can, like people always say, like you can rewire your brain. So, but understanding it in the first place, this is where you have to start. And then there's the lifestyle stuff too. So, I mean, it's all well and good to to know what anxiety is. But if I I stay, if I stayed in that job situation, nothing was going to change at all. So you have to look at the lifestyle factors and, and like also knowing the difference. For me, a big thing is to know the difference between your personality and your anxiety. So a question I would always ask myself is, okay, say something is coming up that's making me feel anxious. Is this something I would want to do if I had no anxiety at all? If the answer is no, then it's probably my personality talking. If the answer is yes, it's it's probably my anxiety. It may be something I should push through. But if, if the answer is no and it's my personality talking and I keep resisting that, I'm creating more tension. So, But it's hard to be clear on which it is. It is hard to be clear, but I just think it's, it's, it's being a little bit more kind to yourself and not thinking you know we all think oh we shouldn't be anxious people we shouldn't be stressed out people like it's okay if you are it's okay if you don't like certain things it's okay if you're if i'm a perfectionist it's okay if you're not particularly like into being organized yeah you know you don't have to force yourself to be a different person so maybe you actually need to like allow yourself to be that way and it's okay you know so for me it's like not always trying to shove a square peg into a round hole but to like make your anxiety work for you and work with yourself rather than always pushing against yourself and that's for me was like a massive thing so like for example I'm not the kind of person that will do well with you know a hugely packed schedule I very much charge inwardly by being by myself or you know I'm such a homebird so if I have loads of things on and I'm not great a social anxiety sometimes gets me especially like at press events I was only talking about this on my social media a while ago where you know when you're in a room full of people and you know loads of people but not very well and you're just having this just chit chat oh that gives me anxiety I, I think it gives most people anxiety but for me it's all these kind of surface level half conversations and then I'm thinking oh do I sound like a fucking idiot there what did I say I'd rather know nobody and be in a crowd or just be around a couple of people that I really know and trust 
And I was really being very hard on myself thinking you need to get over this fucking social anxiety. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, it's not for me. I don't like those environments. That's okay. So I'm trying now to be like, if I know that it creates more anxiety for me to constantly force myself into these situations and to be out all the time draining myself, I'm going to suffer. So I instead of thinking, oh, I'm a f- fucking loser because I want to stay at home all the time. You know, I just allow myself to like lean into my personality and be the way that I am and like I'm a big sleeper if I don't get you know I used to think oh like I need to be only sleeping x amount of hours so I can be really productive no like I need 10 hours sleep and I feel great I wish I could get 10 hours sleep you need to read that book why we sleep oh my god it's so good I'm just an early I'm an early I'm an early going to better early rising guy it's just my circadian rhythm yeah and unfortunately I am not in a career that that supports that do you know what I found really interesting to learn about that is that if you go back to evolutionary times when we were in tribes and we we just, we've always had to sleep it's always been like a biological imperative but if you're an early riser or a late riser it depends on where your ancestor was and the shift of keeping watch for the safety of your tribe is that right so yeah so they 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 they, 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 they can go back yeah so basically you would have naturally back then if you were alive back then you would have probably gone to bed and woken up and took over the shift of keeping watch when someone else went to bed and then there's people in the middle which i think i'm in the middle who didn't really ever actually get stuck lock, looking at it at all because I'm like kind of um, I'm I'm a late I'm a late riser and an early sleeper because <laughs> I always joke and say I have the body clock of a farmer and the working hours of a stripper <laughs> yeah Wait, but I definitely have a farmer's body clock yeah but but again that's another probably source of anxiety is that like you don't want to force yourself into being a late riser and a late I'd love to be a fucking late riser. Yeah, I've been trying my whole bloody life. But you're not. So maybe do more of the corporate gigs that get you out and done early in the morning. Yeah, they're the worst. Yeah. No, but the other, sorry, that, I, another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is another another thing that made me realize that I, not, not that I'm not normal, but yeah. that I definitely have higher levels of anxiety than others, which was just a, a, a funny conversation in the water in West Hampton and Long Island this summer. And I was aware of it all summer. I was like holding on to scenarios of like interactions with people and just like fucking getting no peace mm. from from them in my head. Yeah. You know? I get that. Obsessed with them. And we're in the water one time and it was just some bullshit interaction while playing beach volleyball. And I know some people are probably listening to this being like, I'd love his fucking anxious life. It sounds fucking great. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, 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 some stupid interaction. And like three hours later, we're in the water. Oh, you know, maybe it was three hours later. Maybe it was the day before. But anyway, I was like imprisoned by the fucking like constant running of this. So you just were playing a conversation yeah. that you had with someone? Yeah, I can't even remember exactly. But like I, I said to the guys I was in the water with, like, you know, I hope this thing was okay, whatever it was. And they were like, you're still fucking thinking about that? Mm. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, dude, you fucking worry too much. <laughs> but the thing that was great about them saying that to me was just like, yeah, but this is all the time. These guys don't realize that like yeah. all these low level interactions fucking run in my mind a mm, lot. I know. Like I worry about them a lot. I think what helps me with that is is really being quite blunt and, and saying, you know, we actually constantly overestimate how much we ma- people think about us and how much we matter. You know, people might react to something and be like, oh, there's Des, whatever. And then they're, they're so wrapped up in their own shit that they're not thinking about it. And we're torturing ourselves thinking that we're Torture. affecting everyone i've used that very language yeah but it's it's like we all feel that and we're all guilty of it but we're all if you think about how much you think about you know we're all you know we all think about ourselves and we're all seeing everything from our own perspective and how little you're thinking about the thing that someone else said to you for more than five minutes 
then they're experiencing it the exact same way. So I know, but even but the but problem, I know it doesn't help. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it like go we away. we know. Yeah, but it definitely doesn't yeah. help, and I, I that's definitely another area. Yeah, whether whether we put it in the bracket of anxiety or just like my 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 areas of my life that I'm not content with. Mm. That is another one that I feel I suffer with more than others well that is a that that when i mentioned the common mind traps associated with anxiety that's um personalization and that's so that is again something with cbt to be like oh i'm doing that again that is the kind of behavior that gives rise to anxiety where i'm thinking okay if someone comes into a room in a bad mood or if when i was working in an office and if someone mm. was in it i'd be like i've what have i done mm. it's my fault and it's again it's not going to make it go away but the more you bring it back to be like oh i'm personalizing again the more you can separate reality from the narrative so, so in your you head. call that personalizing personalization you got a lot of language i got a lot of big words catastrophizing yeah is one that i'm taking from this conversation personalization putting out fires well that that was great yeah fair enough <laughs> that, that's going into my show is it i better get a fucking I'm doing a show about my mom you know oh really called me a mama it's the oh. other reason why i'm tackling all this stuff head on because it's all like super super current you know yeah. lost my mom it's all out there you know mm. so uh catastrophizing personalization yeah the putting out fire stuff i like that's like a nice metaphor but that's more just like yeah that's good for the ted talk you know mm. but uh but but i'll for give you actual, one of my books no but for, yeah i'll read your book but actually just uh, like in terms of like actual practical advice for life stuff like that is good to know that these are you know because what if if these things have like labels even though some people complain about labeling. Yeah. But if these things have labels, it makes you realize that like it's it's common. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It helps you to feel less alone and it helps you to make sense of things. And like that is that has been the most important thing for me to get to a point of owning my anxiety. Um, and I think if you can get there, you're, you're more than halfway Isn't there. Isn't that what your book is called? Yeah. Owning my anxiety or it's owning called, it. It's called owning it. Your bullshit yeah. free guide to living with anxiety. But the American and Canadian version is called own it. Make your anxiety work for you because they have a fatigue with curse words apparently in America. They yeah, changed the, it. Yeah. Although owned it, make your anxiety work for you. It's fine too. Yeah. Like, like, like anxiety is like a biofuel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Like the, the methane from slurry can exactly. be turned into fuel. So your anxiety can be a fuel. Yeah. Well, I do think that my anxiety is a fuel. It's just like 100%. It's driven me to want to succeed. Everybody. But it is, it makes you probably overthink. It makes you um, be very creative, very productive, you know, produce the shows that you do and has given you the career that you've had. Yeah, yeah, And will yeah. continue to have. I mean, sometimes, and also it helps me to, to learn that, you know, people with, who with high anxiety levels typically are more intelligent. And that's we, right. We Turn have it very, into yeah, we have very vivid imaginations and we're very creative people. And like, that's, I mean, that goes hand in hand, you know, like they always say like, the tortured artist. It's so textbook, but it's fucking true. Yeah. And the other thing I like about all this is because, you know, when I first got clean, sober, I was very much in the world of the language of mental health, even though mm. we didn't call it mental health. We called it like spirituality or whatever. Mm. But it was really just... And what I like about the fact that all this mental health stuff has become so public is actually so much of it is very much like that similar language, mm. but it kind of makes it accessible for everybody. And we always used to joke in the early days of recovery because we all thought we were fucking unique, yeah. you know, because we had... We had our 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 shit whatever it is everybody's got their own shit right manifested itself in alcoholism and drug addiction but uh you know we used to think we used to call other people like normal people that just don't understand but in actual fact what we didn't realize is that ours manifested itself in alcoholism and drug addiction but everybody's shit is manifesting yeah. itself in different ways and everybody needs to fucking check themselves 
that I'd love to ask you before we wrap up, like what do you think needs to happen for more men to feel comfortable to talk about their mental health? Well, I mean, I think it's changing quite quickly anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I never really actually thought that with this particular thing, because I think a lot about masculinity and I was mm-hmm. actually, I, for a while I was thinking about trying to put together like a, like a show about masculinity and modern aspects of masculinity. I, I, I think it's just tied into that whole thing of just men need to realize that they just need to be honest about their emotions. It's kind of weird for me because like I said, I, I was thrust into this world when I was young of people saying you need to be honest about your emotions. Don't hide from who you are, all this type of stuff. So it, I, I guess I guess I'm, I'm not the best person to ask how do we need to be better at mm. men being honest about it because I, I, I kind of like was in a world where that was normal. And in actual okay. fact, if you had any criticism of... of of those fellowships in those early years was there's hardly any fucking women in them. Really? <laughs> yeah, and probably some women didn't even feel safe there. It's just a bunch of guys fucking going on about how fucked up they used to be, like, you know? So I, I, I was actually in a world where, like, there was loads of men being like, you need to be honest about how you're feeling about that. You know, it was almost like you okay. would get shamed if you weren't being honest about your emotions. Yeah. Like, where do you think that's coming from? Like, you know, that, that that's like my early 20s was okay, like a bunch of... Okay, they were your formative years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My early 20s was a bunch of like hardcore Dublin heroin addicts being like, you know, I, I think that's coming from your childhood, man. You need to fucking look into that. So... Yeah. You know, so I, I, I just think it's... It, it, so it, basically you're saying I need to have like owning it for dicks or something. No, you need to be have like, you know, well, actually own it. You know, how I turn my anxiety into strength. You have to turn it to like, uh, yeah, you say like um, how I turned my anxiety into a six pack and a bigger <laughs> dick. <laughs> how my anxiety made my dick huge. <laughs> no, I'm That's joking. That's going to be my next one. <laughs> I actually don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I like, I like all the conversation. Like I had a funny thought the other day. Because I used to have this joke about how people say, oh, you're crying like a girl. And I would say, I'm crying like a man. But actually, I had a thought recently, which was people say, you're crying like a girl. What does that actually mean? And it means you're crying in public. Because women are comfortable crying in public and men aren't. Mm. Right. So I just think there is a move, you know, based on a sort of a reaction to quote unquote toxic masculinity. There is a move to tackle the aspects of masculinity or the aspects of traditional masculinity or what we associated with masculinity. Mm. There is a move to tackle those. And one of them is definitely men being stoic, men being afraid to show their emotions. And the negative repercussions of that have been violence against women. Uh, you know, So you can look at it in terms of how it's a positive benefit for our society. Mm. But in terms of like selling it to men... I guess it's basically just more and more men being public and saying, yo, I, 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 there were aspects of my life which you may or may not identify with that were causing me problems. I fucking tackled them head on and my life couldn't be better now, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of? As a human? Yeah. I, I, I actually don't know what I'm, what I'm most proud of. Well, actually, to be honest, I'm, I'm quite the survivor, really, you yeah. know? Like, I... Uh, you know, I had that kind of like a little awkward childhood. And then I, I left America when I was 14 for, for a number of reasons. But all of them were to really get away from my discomfort, really. Mm-hmm. You know, now it saved me, quote unquote, in that it gave me like this very unique life. But like, you can't say that there weren't negative repercussions from like half raising yourself from the age of 14 mm-hmm. even though i was in boarding school yeah you know but like yeah but you did that you have raised yourself you're on your and... own yeah so basically because i raised myself and i actually had testicular cancer when i was 24 mm-hmm. and i i i had you know like i had like a weird life like i'm happy that i managed to like function throughout it so yeah on one level i'm proud of that but on the flip side you know i would i would prefer to be have like 
an easier time with like you know relationships and mm -hmm. coping with certain aspects of my life like i would have preferred to have that's the joke i have in my show which is i kind of wish somebody had told me your mother has anxiety and then she would have taken some xanax and we would have had a normal childhood <laughs> but then I wouldn't be standing here in front of a bunch of fucking strangers talking no. about my shit. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you would have been far too well adjusted. Yes, I know. So I, you know, I guess I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I've, I've turned all that negative mm. stuff into positives. But I don't really think of that. I, honestly, I'm probably, you know, I am probably most proud of like the fact that like I got clean and sober when I was young. Yeah, these are. Huge and I managed things. to help. You know, like, and I did manage to like help a lot of people at that mm. at that time you know yeah that's it thank you i mean that's a lot thank you so much for joining me and thank you for having me on yours that's but really i just wanted you to grill me yeah which is great <laughs> did you feel grilled enough per yeah perfect okay. <laughs> that's, I, I was ideal thank you Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.